0: Some moments in life impact our hearts and lives forever. These life changing moments shape us, challenge us, and sometimes define us. They influence our response to others and to the God who created us. We call these moments game changers, encounters with Christ. I want to say a quick uh, thank you to the Summit Singers for leading us in worship, and, and they did an amazing job all week long. And also, uh, we can... <clears throat> And also thank you to our amazing volunteers and our unbelievable VBS leadership team for all of their prayers, all of their hard work and preparation and can we show our appreciation for them as well throughout this past week at VBS we've seen God's mighty power moving in the hearts of our young people and drawing them to faith in Christ and a deeper walk with him and our prayer for these students is that they might look back on this week in June of 2015 And see this week as a game-changer. A game-changing week in which they had an encounter with Christ. And today, we are starting a four-week series called Game Changers. And looking at game-changing encounters that people had with Christ and the New Testament. And then walked away never quite the same. So, what is a game changer? We see game changers in sports when uh, a basketball player hits the last second shot to beat the buzzer. When a quarterback throws an interception just as it seemed like his team was going to score the game winning touchdown. And we see game changers in life as well. The biggest game changer. Is when we tell Jesus, I believe in you, I trust in you, deciding on which school to go to, which college to attend, that's a game changer. When a man gets down on one knee and says, Will you marry me? That's a game changer. When a a wife gives her husband the news, we're going to have a baby. When a mother tells her son, I have stage four lung cancer, that's a game changer. These are game changers in life and game changers I've experienced in my own life as well. Today we are going to see game changers in the lives of two people, two separate encounters with Jesus, but encounters that are forever linked together in Scripture. And it's the story of two miracles, two healings. And we find this story in Mark chapter 5. You can also find it in Matthew 9 and and Luke 8, and I I might refer to a couple uh, portions from those passages, but mainly Mark 5, so you can turn there if you wish, starting in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up. Jairus was not a, a worship leader, but he was a lay leader in charge of the general oversight and maintenance of the synagogue. He was a leader in the community. But because of his sick daughter, Jairus lays aside his position And his privilege. And he begs Jesus for help, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so she will get well and live. Verse 24. And Jesus went off with him. Let's pause there for a moment because the scene is about to shift to the miracle within the miracle. The story within the story. This first miracle is centered on this Jewish man named Jairus and his sick daughter. Jairus has been looking all over for Jesus because his daughter is at the point of death. Just for a moment, I want you to identify with this father for a moment. Imagine your own daughter. If you're not a parent, imagine a young niece or a young sister. She's on the verge of death. But you've heard of this man who has been given power from the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. And you've been hearing about his miracles. So what would you do? No doubt you would do whatever it took to find this man. And convince him to come with you to heal your child. And that's what Jesus does. Or that's what Jairus does. He finds Jesus and he begs him, he implores him, please Jesus, come with me. My wife and I were privileged this past week to serve as crew leaders together in, in one of the VBS groups. And we loved hanging out with our group and, and worshiping with them and, and playing games with them and hearing Bible stories and hearing each day about God's mighty power His power to provide, His power to comfort, His power to forgive, His power to love us forever. And the power that we see here today in this passage, His power to heal, to not only bandage our wounds. But to heal our broken hearts. And we're about to see that power on display. As Jesus is making his way to Jairus' house, the focus shifts from this Jewish man, Jairus, to a nameless Gentile woman. Two very different people. Jairus and his family would have been at the top of the social ladder. But this woman was impoverished and unclean, and she would have been at the bottom of the social scale. Being in a place of authority, Jairus felt very comfortable approaching Jesus face to face. But this woman, a social outcast, had to sneak up from behind Jesus. But they both had something in common they were desperate. And they were needy. And they both fell on their knees before Jesus, realizing that they had no hope apart from Christ. This woman had been suffering from a bleeding condition for 12 years, as long as Jairus's daughter has been alive. For 12 long years, this had been the thorn in her flesh. And she is at the end of her rope. She has tried everything. Look at verse 26. She had endured much at the hands of many physicians. This verse here in Mark is not included in Matthew and Luke. Perhaps Dr. Luke didn't feel like this was a great reflection uh, on the medical profession, so he left it out. Um, but it says that she had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. She had tried all kinds of doctors and procedures and remedies, but this, this poor woman's situation had only declined. The King James Version says this woman had issues, and that's an understatement. She is beaten down emotionally. The loss of blood off and on for the last 12 years has weakened her physically. She has spent all of her life savings on doctor's bills, so she is hurting financially. And Leviticus 15.25 says that when a woman bled, she was considered unclean and could not be touched. So this, no doubt, had a great effect on her socially. And as a Gentile without Christ... She is spiritually broke as well. So she turns to her last remaining hope, Jesus. She sees him there in the midst of all the crowds, but she is an outsider and considered unclean, and she really shouldn't have been around other people, but she sees an opening in the crowd, and she sneaks up behind Jesus. And in a game-changing moment, of faith she reaches out to touch the fringe of his cloak she forsakes her pagan gods and reaches out to the righteousness of Christ in numbers chapter 15 verse 38 it talks about observant jews wearing a robe and at the four corners of the robe were these hanging tassels, similar to the tassels that you wear on your cap on, on graduation day. But for the Jewish man, these tassels represented God's word and God's commandments. And this woman is talking to herself and saying, If I could just touch the edge of his cloak, if I could just reach out and grab hold of one of those tassels symbolic of the word the living word jesus and the written word of god then perhaps god could do a healing work in my life in verse 30 she reaches out and touches his garment and immediately three things happened all at the same time number 1 the bleeding finally stopped after 12 long years. And number two, she realized that she had been healed. She knew that something different happened inside of her. And then number three, Jesus at that very same moment perceived that something had happened within him as well. His healing power had gone out from him. And Jesus turns around and he's looking over heads and he's scanning the crowd and he says, Who touched me? And the disciples are like, Are you kidding, Jesus? Everywhere you go, you're a celebrity. The crowds are pressing in on you. Everywhere we turn, the question is, Who isn't touching you? So, what was the difference? What was the difference between this one woman who touched Jesus and the hundreds of others who were bumping into him? The difference was the woman got low. The woman got low and she humbled herself. In order to grab that tassel, she had to get low, she had to express a humble faith based on God's word and God's son. Most of the people in the crowds were simply just fans. But this woman humbly showed herself to be a true follower of Christ. Verse 33, And the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She was probably hoping to slip away unnoticed because she has transferred her uncleanness to Jesus. But Jesus isn't concerned with any of that. He isn't upset with her. He speaks to her with a term of endearment, daughter. That word alone, daughter, would have felt like this healing balm to her heart that has only known rejection for over a decade. Dads, what a great gift we could give to our kids today on Father's Day to take each one of them, to hug them, to look each one in the eye and to call them by name and say, Jack, son, Josie, daughter, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And that's what Jesus did. He called her daughter. He spoke to her out of affection. And then he said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What an amazing reminder to us that our God, who is over all creation over all the nations, over all time and history. Our God is a God of individuals. He is concerned with each one of you specifically. He personally cares about each one of us, each one of his sheep. As Chuck Swindoll says, God takes care of his own. He knows our needs He anticipates our crises. He is moved by our weakness. And just at the right moment, he steps in and proves himself to be our faithful heavenly father. Jairus was this important Jewish man who was pulling Jesus through the crowd to get to his sick daughter. But Jesus takes the time to stop. He is not too busy to allow this interruption from this non-Jewish, nameless woman because he knows that she has reached out to him in humble faith. For the last 12 years, she's been cast aside. But Jesus says to her in Matthew 9:22, Take courage. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to turn you away. My wife and I can relate to both of these stories of Jairus and his 12 year old daughter and the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. We can relate through our own game changers because we went to the Lord almost 12 years ago when our first child, Jack, came into this world. And when Jack was three years old, he fell while playing with this little plastic kazoo in his mouth, and his mouth started to bleed. And we didn't think much of it, but the bleeding didn't stop. And we called the doctor, and they told us, well, just kind of keep an eye on it. If it doesn't stop by tomorrow, call us back. The next day, the bleeding didn't stop. So they said, bring him into Children's Hospital there in Dallas, where we were living at the time. And we felt like Jairus. We were desperately calling out to the Lord on behalf of our son. And after several days, after numerous tests, we found out that Jack had been born with a very rare bleeding condition, hemophilia. As, as some of you know, hemophilia is a condition in which it takes Longer for Jack's blood to clot. And we have to help that clotting process by infusing him with medicine. And it's been a 12-year journey that has increased our faith and increased our dependence upon the Lord. And then as many of you know, two weeks ago, Kara and I were at home and we got a call from Kara's mother, And uh, the kids had been at the grandparents' for the week, and they were on the way home. And Kara's mother called us and said, we just had an incident. We had to pull over to the side of the road. Jack just had a seizure, which lasted for up to two minutes. So Kara drove up to the small hospital where they had, had pulled over to, about two hours away. And then a helicopter from University Hospital here in San Antonio went up and picked up Kara picked up Jack and brought him back here. It was a game-changing moment. Again, we were feeling like Jairus, calling out to the Lord on behalf of our son. And we felt like this woman as well. In Mark 5, we were desperate. We were needy. And we did. The only thing we knew to do was just to reach out to God in humble faith again. And as I waited there at University Hospital, waited for that helicopter to land with my wife, waited waited for my son to get wheeled in on a stretcher, I began to pray. And I looked to God's Word in that situation. And the very first verse I turned to was Matthew Four, verse twenty-four, which says, The news about Jesus spread throughout, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, and those with epilepsy, seizures. And Jesus healed them. What a gift to turn right to that passage. Because at that moment I needed that reminder of God's mighty power to heal. It was a game changer. And we praise God that Jack is doing much better. He was up here with the Summit Singers. And we just appreciate all of your prayers throughout. I experienced another game changer on Tuesday when I turned 40. (laughs) It would be easy to see turning 40 and to see the future as it's all just downhill from here. But instead, I want to see the rest of my life as an upward ramp toward God, pursuing Him because I want the second half of my life to be even sweeter and to be even more fulfilling than the first half as I continue to serve and live for Christ. But I find it interesting that the Bible passages and verses that meant so much to me at the age of 20 are not the ones that I immediately gravitate to 20 years later. At 20, I was probably drawn to the Psalms and and the Proverbs, and I still love those parts of Scripture. But life experience brings certain other Scriptures close to your heart. 20 years later, after 15 years of marriage to Kara and walking through trials together, like losing her brother, Losing a child in miscarriage, walking through health issues with kids, losing a mother to cancer, seeing others hurt and broken around us. The verses that I hold fast to now at the age of 40 are ones like this one in Mark 5, which talk about hope and faith in the midst of hardship. Verses like James 1, 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It's scriptures of endurance and faithfulness and perseverance and finding joy in the midst of trials. These are the verses that I cling to at the age of 40. As I wait that day, and it's coming soon, when God will return and make all things new again. Jairus, in our story today, he had a one-track mind. Get Jesus to my sick daughter. But the mission gets interrupted and sidetracked by this suffering woman who steals Jesus' attention and power for a moment. And Jairus is probably thinking, come on, Jesus, we're wasting time here but this was all a part of God's providential plan to test and strengthen Jairus' faith. Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has made you well. And just as he's speaking those words, Mark 5:35, people came from Jairus's house to tell Jairus the news that his daughter has just died. And we can imagine the heartache and the grief on the face of this dad as he hears the news about his daughter's death. But Jesus overhears what is being said to Jairus, verse 36. And Jesus turns to Jairus and says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid any longer, only believe. And then Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to Jairus' house. And there at the house, they find hired flute players and professional mourners have already started the funeral for this little girl. And Jesus says, why all the commotion? Basically, stop the funeral. The child has not died. She is just asleep. And these hired mourners scornfully laugh at Jesus. Yeah, right, Jesus. But Jesus tells everyone to leave the house except the disciples and Jairus and Jairus' wife. And then Jesus leans down and says to the girl in Aramaic, Talithakum, little girl, I say to you, get up. And just like the woman, the little girl is immediately healed. And she begins to walk around and Jesus says, get this girl something to eat. Showing that she had been completely restored. Throughout this four-week series, we're going to see some game-changing, life-altering encounters that people had with Christ in the Gospels. And along the way, a few of our pastors are going to share some game changers in their own lives as well. Significant moments where God showed up and changed everything. So we pray this will be a time in which you not only encounter Christ through his word, but a chance for you to get to know us a little better as well. So, what makes this story today in Mark 5 a game changer? Number one, it was a game-changing example of true faith. Some of you may have struggled with a burden or a disappointment or a medical condition for 12 years or more. And perhaps God has done or he will do a game-changing miracle of healing in your life. But he may also say, Not yet. Wait. Just wait. I may be using this trial to stretch your faith, to draw you closer to me, to do a refining work in your heart that would not have been possible otherwise. But like this woman, sometimes we look everywhere else, everything that the world has to offer before we turn to God. And when we do, we realize that God has been saying all along, I've been right here. The power of my spirit is at your fingertips. It's within reaching distance. Just extend your hand to me in faith and humility. Believe in me. Believe that I can make possible that which seems impossible. And this woman learned that it required just the slightest touch, just a mustard seed size of faith. And God forgives. He saves. He restores. And he makes us whole again. If not in this life, then the life to come. Number two, it was a game-changing example of love. We saw through Jairus the persistent and devoted love of a father. I would consider myself a, a pretty laid-back person, uh, a peacemaker by nature. I don't see myself intentionally harming another person or getting into a, a fight with someone else. But all of that changes When someone wearing a medical mask, a surgical mask, says four words to you, you have a daughter. Suddenly you know that desperate things might be done in defense of this life. Suddenly you begin to imagine yourself starting that prison ministry from the inside. Because you know that you would do just about anything for this little life. Not out of anger. Not out of rage. But out of love. And that was Jairus. He had this relentless love of a father. But that's nothing. That's nothing compared to the love of our Heavenly Father. We honor Dads today, as we should, but more importantly, we honor and worship a heavenly father that thinks the world of you, a father in heaven who is relentlessly pursuing you. It reminds me of the story that I have heard Pastor Roger tell of a father and his daughter, and they're driving down the road, and suddenly the child begins to scream because a bee has flown into the car and is buzzing around the child's face, threatening to sting her. And the father takes one hand off the steering wheel and reaches over and traps the bee in his hand, and the buzzing stops for a moment. But then the father opens up his hand again, and the bee begins to fly around, and the the child begins to scream all over again. But the father says, don't worry. The bee can no longer hurt you. The child doesn't understand, so the father opens up his hand to show the girl. And there, throbbing in the palm of his hand, is the stinger from the bee. And the father says, You see, the bee is harmless now because I took the sting upon myself. And that's a picture of our heavenly father's love for you. When he sent his son Jesus to suffer to take the nails into his hands and feet and to hang on that cross and die in our place that's why the apostle paul wrote in 1 corinthians 15:5 oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting jesus took the sting and it wasn't out of anger or rage It was out of love. I like how Ian Thomas, the English Bible teacher, puts it. The life that Jesus lived qualified him for the death that he died. And the death that he died qualifies us for the life that he lives. We cannot save ourselves. And we were unqualified and unworthy to stand in God's presence because of our sin But his death and resurrection qualified us and made us worthy to receive the life that he lives. And it's a free gift of eternal life that he offers us. We just have to simply accept it by reaching out to him in humble faith. And then third, we saw a game-changing witness. When we come to Christ and experience the joy of salvation and new life in Him, we shouldn't keep that to ourselves. In our story today, Jairus' daughter is brought back to life, but Jesus tells her parents not to tell anyone about what has just happened. But just the opposite is told of this bleeding woman. Jesus wants her to tell her story. We see that in Luke 8. Jesus said, who touched me? Not because he was uninformed. He said, who touched me? As a way of calling this woman forward. Not to embarrass her, but as a way of saying, this isn't over yet. Just because you've been physically healed. I want you to now tell your story. And that's what she did. She declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And what was Jairus doing during all of this? He was right there. He was right there to hear her testimony. So when Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, Jairus understood the kind of faith that he needed to have Because of what he had just seen and heard from this woman. She was the example of faith that Jairus clung to when faced with the real possibility of losing his daughter. I wish we knew this woman's name because she's no longer the bleeding woman. She's been healed. And I wish we had the rest of her testimony in Scripture because she no doubt testified to the fact that more than a physical healing, God had done a great cleansing work in her heart. And she was asked by Jesus to share that. Tony Evans said, It's amazing how many people want to be blessed but then have nothing to say having been blessed. As believers, we are called to speak up, to simply share with others, this is what Christ has done in my own life. Personal and private are not the same thing. Our faith may be very personal, but it was never meant to be private. For the young people at VBS, they heard all week about God's love for them through Jesus, and it would, be sh- it would be a shame if they didn't now pass that on, maybe to a friend or a neighbor or a family member. Someone else needs to hear that good news. Someone else needs to trust in Christ. So what do we share? We simply share how Christ suffered, how he was broken, and then he died on the cross for us. He lived a perfect life. He knew no sin, but he took on the punishment of sin and death. He took it all upon himself, and he died for us. He was then laid in a grave, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And we can imagine God the Father in the dark, Stillness of that tomb, whispering, not Talitha kum, daughter arise, but Yeshua kum, Jesus, my son, arise. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he rose and he walked out of that tomb and presented himself to hundreds of eyewitnesses as the risen and victorious Lord and Savior. And Jesus is alive today. And as we saw here in Mark 5 this morning, he is very approachable. He is very interruptible. He's never too busy. He lives to make intercession for you, and he's doing it right now from heaven through his spirit. If we are willing to just get low and humble ourselves and reach out to him in faith and he will do a game changing work in your life let's pray Lord Jesus there may be some here that are needing to make that game changing decision to trust in you alone. And all they have to do is fall at your feet. Just like Jesus said to Jairus, just believe, Jairus. Just come to me. And then we can simply say to you, Lord, I give it all to you. My life is in your hands. I place my faith, I place my trust in you alone. And Father, we know that you forgive us our sins and you save us and your spirit then indwells us and helps us to live a life of obedience to you. Help us to be like this woman here in Mark chapter 5 who reached out to you in humble faith and then told others about it. It was a great miracle that went beyond the physical because she became your daughter. So often, Father, we want you to do do the miraculous without that relationship. So, Father, heal us and restore us, but more than that, we want to live for you as sons and daughters. And we thank you for Jairus' example of a persistent love of a father. And I thank you again for the dads today. We honor them. And Father, above all, we honor you, our Heavenly Father, for your love, your care. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are prayer partners down here that would love to pray with you right now. And I pray that you have a blessed Lord's Day, a great Father's Day. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.